welcome to The Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today we read Jeremiah chapter 42. Then all the commanders of the forces, and Johanan the son of Kareah, and Jezaniah the son of Hoshea, and all the people, from the least to the greatest, came near, and said to Jeremiah the prophet, Let our plea for mercy come before you, and pray to Yahweh your God for us, for all this remnant, because we are left with but a few as your eyes see us, that Yahweh your God may show us the way we should go, and the thing that we should do. Jeremiah the prophet said to them, I have heard you. Behold, I will pray to Yahweh your God according to your request, and whatever Yahweh answers you, I will tell you. I will keep nothing back from you. Then they said to Jeremiah, May Yahweh be a true and faithful witness against us if we do not act according to all the word with which Yahweh your God sends you to us. Whether it is good or bad, we will obey the voice of Yahweh our God, to whom we are sending you, that it may be well with us when we obey the voice of Yahweh our God. At the end of ten days the word of Yahweh came to Jeremiah, Then he summoned Johanan the son of Kareah and all the commanders of the forces who were with him and all the people from the least to the greatest and said to them, Thus says Yahweh, the God of Israel, to whom you sent me to present your plea for mercy before him. If you will remain in this land, then I will build you up and not pull you down. I will plant you and not pluck you up, for I relent of the disaster that I did to you. Do not fear the king of Babylon, of whom you are afraid. Do not fear him, declares Yahweh, for I am with you to save you and to deliver you from his hand. I will grant you mercy, that he may have mercy on you and let you remain in your own land. But if you say, We will not remain in this land, disobeying the voice of Yahweh your God, and saying, No, we will go to the land of Egypt, where we shall not see war or hear the sound of the trumpet or be hungry for bread, and we will dwell there, Then hear the word of Yahweh, O remnant of Judah. Thus says Yahweh of hosts, the God of Israel, If you set your faces to enter Egypt and to go live there, then the sword that you fear shall overtake you there in the land of Egypt, and the famine of which you are afraid shall follow close after you to Egypt, and there you shall die. All the men who set their faces to go to Egypt to live there shall die by the sword, by famine, and by pestilence. They shall have no remnant or survivor from the disaster that I will bring upon them. For thus says Yahweh of hosts, the God of Israel, As my anger and my wrath were poured out on the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so my wrath will be poured out on you when you go to Egypt. You shall become an execration, a horror, a curse, and a taunt. You shall see this place no more. Yahweh has said to you, O remnant of Judah, do not go to Egypt. Know for a certainty that I have warned you this day that you have gone astray at the cost of your lives. For you sent me to Yahweh your God, saying, Pray for us to Yahweh our God, and whatever Yahweh our God says, declare to us, and we will do it. And I have this day declared it to you, but you have not obeyed the voice of Yahweh your God in anything that he sent me to tell you. Now therefore, know for a certainty that you shall die by the sword, by famine and by pestilence, in the place where you desire to go to live. This is the word of the Lord. The last few chapters actually have been going together chronologically speaking. So we have had Johanan rescue the remnant of Judah from the hands of Ishmael, who was seeking to take them captive off to the king of Ammon to the east. He has instead brought them to the west. They have stayed for a moment's time at Geruth 
Kimham, uh, and, and that's near the city of Bethlehem. And they're intending to go to Egypt. Now, this group, led by Johanan and Jezaniah, and then all the rest of the people, all of them, from the least to the greatest. So Johan would be about as great as they get, and the least of them would be those, most of them would be considered the least as they were poor people that were left in the land to farm it for Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. Anyway, all of these people come to Jeremiah, and their prayer, for the most part, sounds good. There's a hitch in it, and I'll show it to you. Let our plea for mercy come before you. This is good. Pray to Yahweh, your God, for us. I'm not going to put a lot into your, because they do say our at the end in verse 6. And when Jeremiah reflects this back to them, uh, later on in the text, he also says that they claimed it was their God. So I'm not going to say they're disowning God here, although they certainly will disobey him by the end of the text. Um, And they've been disobeying him all along. They say that Yahweh our God may show us the way we should go and the thing that we should do. If only they had listened to the Lord in the first place, none of this would have happened. They had opportunity after opportunity to repent throughout this book, and they continued to be hardened of heart. They continued to be stiff-necked, as an Old Testament insult goes, and they, they wouldn't listen to God, and so he brought about that disaster. He taught that if they repented, he would relent, but they never would. So here they're saying that they will. And really, I think what we're seeing here is the idea that they're just a remnant. We are but a few that are left. That seems to be the whole reason why they're even asking of this right now, of Jeremiah. But again, they're not going to listen anyway. So, Jeremiah uh, speaks to them, says he's heard them, he will go and pray, and he will not hold back anything that God says. And the people have somewhat of a good response. Verse 5, so I'm lumping this in with their request from earlier. May Yahweh be a true and faithful witness against us if we do not act according to all the word which Yahweh your God sends you to us. That's a good statement. Yahweh is a true and faithful witness regardless of whether they want him to be or not. Yahweh is truth. He created the world by speaking, so whatever he says is what is. And he is a witness. He sees all things. And so he will bear witness against them in this case. Then they say, and this is the best part, whether it is good or bad, we will obey. Excellent. That would be fantastic if only they had shut up at that point, but they don't, right? So it doesn't matter if the Lord brings good or evil. He is still God. It doesn't matter if the Lord is going to give me a hundred years of life or only another day. He is still God, and what he gives is good. It is a good gift no matter what it is. If it seems good to me, then I rejoice. If it seems bad to me, I still can rejoice because God is strengthening me. He's giving me endurance. He's giving me, I mean, even suffering is said in the New Testament to lead to endurance and perseverance and character and hope. So, There is nothing that the Lord does not work for the good of his people. We learn that in Romans chapter 8. And so, yeah, this is good. However, we will obey the voice of Yahweh our God to whom we are sending you, that it may be well with us when we obey the voice of Yahweh our God. They immediately seem to go back on what they said of good or bad. 
So if God sent his word to you that he was going to destroy you, it would not be well with you. (laughs) They are assuming a specific response from Yahweh. Essentially, they are assuming that this God will bless their already chosen actions, which is essentially what a lot of Christians today do as well. Uh, They have it in their mind that they want to live a specific way, and then they hope God will bless it. I do not understand why so many couples who live together before marriage want to get married in the church. Like they're actively, actively sinning against God by having sex outside of marriage, and they're not repentant of it whatsoever, but they want to come before God's altar in God's house and have God bless their marriage. It doesn't make any sense but it's the way that we live. And so this is not uncommon in Christianity, not just cohabitation, but there are many other ways in which we we play this out, we live this out. We think God will just bless me in what I want to do rather than actually seeking what the Lord would have for us. The question you might be able to ask your kids on this first paragraph, do you think they actually will listen? The easy answer to that is coming before the text is even over today, so you'd have to stop to ask that question. Verse 7, at the end of 10 days, the word of Yahweh came to Jeremiah. So he does make them wait. God makes them have patience for a week and a half. And then Jeremiah summons all the people before him, and he tells them what God has said. And this should have sounded fantastic. Should have. Didn't. Verse 10, if you will remain in this land, what land? The promised land. They're only a few miles away from Jerusalem, which was their capital. It is where the temple of the Lord is. If you will remain in this land, I will build you up and not pull you down. God is going to build you up. That sounds fantastic. I will plant you and not pluck you up. If God plants you, if he gives you roots, he will give growth. For I relent of the disaster that I did to you. God is relenting. He's going to take back. He's going to undo the harm that has been done to this people. This is fantastic good news. Do not fear the king of Babylon, for I am with you. This, by the way, is the same reason that you and I need not fear anything today, because God is with us. That's again Romans 8, if the Lord is with us who can be against us. Even if the enemies of this world mount against us, even if they come against the church and destroy us, they're only sending us to Jesus. We don't need to be afraid. We get to live forever. If this body dies, it lives. When this body dies, it lives. God will raise it from the dead. He has promised this to be true. This is good news. Yes, I might suffer now. Yes, I might endure pain for even a few years or several years. But in comparison to eternity, that's literally nothing. Literally nothing. I mean, you you have every day for the rest of forever to be with Jesus in paradise. Fear not this world. If God is for us, who can be against us? 
I am with you to save you and to deliver you. This is the promise that he has made to Jeremiah back in chapter 1, verse 8 and verse 19, as well as chapter 15, verse 20. God is going to save his people. There is a connection to make. God has promised to save his people. God has promised to save us in in his son, Jesus Christ. And yet these people will not listen. That might be a family conversation point. God offers to save this world in his son, Jesus Christ. What are some of the reasons that you have heard? Or what are some reasons that people don't listen to God's plan of salvation in Jesus? Why don't they like the good news that Jesus died for them? That might be a really fascinating conversation, especially with with kids who are a little older, um, maybe public school kids who have have gone through that, uh, much more so. Um, But I think you can, with any age kid and any background, you can have good conversations on that. What a promise. I will grant you mercy that he may have mercy. So Nebuchadnezzar, God is, God's in charge. God is king, not Nebuchadnezzar. God is. And so God will cause Nebuchadnezzar to do what God wants him to do, and he'll leave them be. However, if you say we will not remain in this land, no, we will go to the land of Egypt, where we shall not see war or hear the sound of the trumpet, which is also a reference to war coming, or be hungry for bread, which they have been under the siege for a year and a half, we will dwell there. So they want to get away from this land. They want to get away from all of this. They want. They think Egypt will offer them peace and a new life. But it's disobeying God. If you set your faces to enter Egypt and go to live there, the sword that you fear shall overtake you. There in the land of Egypt, the place you thought would be peace, you'll die by the sword. The famine of which you are afraid, so being of, of hunger without bread, will overtake you in Egypt where you thought you'd have bread. All the men who set their faces to go to Egypt to live there shall die. They shall have no remnant or survivor from the disaster I will bring upon them. This is what God has been saying all along um, in the the history here of, of the book of Jeremiah. So we can look back to Jeremiah chapter, I believe it was chapter 9 here. Let me pull that up. Chapter 9, verse 16, God said, I will scatter them among the nations whom neither they nor their fathers have known, and I will send the sword after them until I've consumed them. God has said it a few times in the book, but that's an example of it, that even when the nations, even when his people are scattered to other locations, the judgment of him will follow them to those other locations. They cannot flee God. They cannot escape what the Lord brings. The only escape is his free gift, and he offered it right here, just as he offers it to you and to me. We are sinners, and we deserve God's wrath, but he has offered us a free way out in the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. What a gift. Stop running, right? Uh, And yet they run. I did think it was interesting. It gave me a chance to look it up. The word sword appears quite a bit in the Bible. Um, primarily in the Old Testament, and Jeremiah uses that word the second most of any book in the Bible. Only Ezekiel uses it more. All right, Uh, the final paragraph there, starting in 18, uh, more repetition. Uh, God uh, sums it up in that verse. It's his final verse where it's actually God speaking. The warning is, you shall not see this place again. 
um, that place, Judah, the promised land, however you want to phrase it. The word execration in the ESV is just another word for cursing. Um, The idea of maybe loathing could be connected to that as well. Verse 19, you shift gears and it's Jeremiah who's speaking. I mean, it's been Jeremiah speaking to them because he's the prophet and Yahweh puts his word before Jeremiah to deliver to the people. But Jeremiah shifts gears and he's no longer speaking God's word. Now he's speaking to them in kind of a summary himself as well. Don't go to Egypt. Know for certain I have warned you this day that you have gone astray at the cost of your lives. Jeremiah knows. He knows they're not listening. He knows that they have rebelled against God. He knows that they won't do what God has given them to do, even though they said they would. Know for a certainty that you shall die by the sword in the place where you desire to go to live. Maybe a positive family conversation to wrap up a text like this would be the idea of of this question. What has God given us to do? So we saw what God gave them to do, and they said no. What has God given us to do? And primarily this is going to revolve around what's said in the New Testament time and time again. Love God and love your neighbor. So what are some ways that we love God? And what are some of the ways that we get to love our neighbor and serve them? That's a good family conversation that gets into vocation and you cover some of the Ten Commandments and things like that.